In that, I want to jump in. We're in a value series right now. We're in our second value today. It's called Honor. Last week, I talked about the Word of God and thinking about honor, the importance of honor, because in our culture today, church, you and I both know that we do not see honor. We see probably more dishonor through news and everything else than we see as far as honor. As a matter of fact, honor is not popular today. What is honor is, hey, if I dishonor my boss, if I talk, if I gossip, if I say a few things about the person that's above me, because after all, I have my life all together. I see his or her humanity. And because I see their humanity, that means I no longer believe in their anointing or their choosing of the position they're in. Uh, we do this a lot all the way up to the president. I had a good friend of mine tell me years ago, it doesn't matter who's elected as president. Within three months, everyone will dishonor them, in, in, dishonor them anyway. It does matter who's president. It costs a lot of money to drive. Anyway, let's keep going. That's a little dishonoring, right? We've got to be careful with our thoughts and, and how we pray. It's even difficult sometimes for me to pray about the government and pray for the government because of all the, the dishonoring thoughts that I have and asking God to honor and honor our country and that our country, most importantly, would honor you. Honor is so important in the church today because most of our churches do not live, much less uphold the value of honor. We talk about our preachers. We talk about our pastors. We talk about our teachers. We talk about the, the children's director. We talk about, we, we don't sign up to help. We set our boundaries, and sometimes our boundaries are conflicted with God, and so we say, oh, I'm not going to do that. I didn't have that in my plans. It's called boundaries. Careful. Careful. I think we've taken this boundary thing sometimes a little bit too far, but let's, let's keep moving because God wants to intervene, and, and the way we honor God is listening to his voice, and when he says go, we're the ones that raised our hand and said we will. But wait a second. <laughs> it's on my time, on my turn. Let's be careful with that. You know, Jesus he teaches on this, and it's in Matthew chapter 14, and I'm going to call our attention to this. A lot of things are happening in this, I'm sorry, in Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13, it's the parable of the sower, the parable of the weeds, the parable of the mustard seed. You have the parable of hidden treasure. You have the parable of the net. You have a, uh, he, he just is teaching and teaching and, and, and encouraging and leading. And then out of nowhere, he, he goes back into Jerusalem, and it's interesting, it says, when he had finished these parables, he moved on from there, coming to his hometown, he began teaching the people in their synagogue. So this is Jesus. Now let me, if you don't know who Jesus is, I want to introduce you very quickly. Jesus is the Son of God, and he is God. It, it, it's in some ways a mystery, but stick around here, and, and he'll begin to speak to your heart, and you'll see how he works through this. This is God in the flesh walking upon the earth in a synagogue that teaches about him. And so now you not only have those who teach about him and have shared his word, but you have the living word that is standing there in their presence, in their hometown, in his hometown. And this is interesting because it says, and they were amazed. Where did this man get this wisdom and these miraculous powers, they asked? Isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't his mother's name Mary? And aren't his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? Aren't all his sisters with us? Where then did this man get all these things? And they took offense at him. Sometimes when we see the anointing, 
We begin to get offended. Why can't we do that? Why aren't we like that? These are teachers in the synagogue. These are people who should have had the ability. And they should have, if anything else, they should have recognized the Messiah that they spoke of. But they didn't even recognize. where He's just common. His mother's Mary. His dad's Joseph. I knew his dad. Good lands. Man couldn't shoe a donkey very well. He just goes on, right? And, and then this is what it says. They took offense at him, but Jesus said to them, only in his hometown and in his home house or in his own house is a prophet without honor. And he did not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. Interesting that the only thing that hindered Jesus from doing miracles was, was dishonor. You ever think of that? Dishonor prevented the word from performing. Now that should touch each and every one of us, and that's the introductory scripture that we have for us this morning. But we all must see that Jesus is speaking the truth here. Years ago in my own life, I, I think back of, of how I came to Christ. And I came to Christ as a young, as a young man. I mean, probably the age of 13 and 14 at camp, you know, and you have that camp experience. The pastor gives that car wreck story at the end and you raise your hand and you run to the altar. You give your life from an emotional response, but later on I wasn't walking with Jesus. I didn't, I felt him in my heart, but I, I, I wasn't being led. I wasn't discipled. And, and Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples. And no one really took me by the hand and was discipling me daily. Later on, while I was in the military, a man came along who had crushed uh, all of his, both, both hands, and he had written hymns. He was a chaplain for the army, army, Colonel Steffi. And, uh, I started putting him in paraffin wax and trying to loosen up his fingers and get his fingers going again. And, and one of the things that, that he did is he said, Hey, uh, I want to invite you to my house. I've got a couple of Bible studies going. I was like, well, he's a full bird colonel. I'm like a E4, whatever that was, specialist. And so I'm, I'm, I'm listening to him and he just keeps, keeps every day just, uh, corporal house or, or specialist house, you got to come to my house and, 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 and you've got to go through these Bible studies with me. Well, how do you say no to a colonel? Now, let me tell you something. The one thing about people who've been in the military, they understand honor through rank. So I was like, I really can't tell this guy no. So I started going. And he started discipling me. And, and since then, when I got out, uh, Pastor Richard Bells, who Allison and I were talking about him this morning, um, just, just the way he, he did so many incredible things, extremely. He was a theologian. He had the anointing on him. I can remember when he told me that he received the gift of tongues out at Cedar Canyon, uh, uh, underneath a tree, just, just praying to the Lord to deepen his prayer life. And he would go on and get his doctorate. And I love Pastor Richard. And I'll tell you something. I never said a thing about Pastor Richard. I was afraid of him. When I went to his office, I was, yes, sir. No, sir. But one time I was in a meeting with him and some others in the church, and they started just firing at him. I, I mean, and calling him names and telling him he was breaking up the church and, and he was making some demands on the church to take it deeper and, and to expand God's kingdom. And he took so many fiery darts. And I thought, these people don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they're saying. They don't realize the danger of dishonor. I'd never seen that before. From there, I, uh, years later, I, I would watch uh, Paul Seipert walk in the anointing. 
and just, just learn so much from the man. And there would be a time in my old life, church, where I would take up some of those weapons and say some things probably I shouldn't. Not, not, and here's the cool thing about our God is that I know that when I would speak on him, I would have this, this churning in my stomach that would tell me, don't talk. Hush. I'm doing something. I'm doing a work. And, and, and that's where we have to believe and trust. You see, you get in the ministry and down the road, you become an expert. And you think you know how it ought to be run. You think you know someone's life. You think you know how it ought to operate. But that's not necessarily true. And so I've repented and, and I, I have prayed over this. And I, I truly believe, but I've learned so much. And some of that is even honor. I have a close friend that walks very closely with me who one day said, Curtis, how come so many people treat you as common? And I was like, well, I'm just a common guy. I put on my pants. Everybody's, I, I've always been raised. Everybody puts their pants on the same way. I forgot to zip them this morning, but <laughs> for the most part, I worked at a cell barn and feed yards and, and uh, ran cattle. And yesterday was with my daughter and uh, we finished up uh, one project and went and loaded her up and headed out to the farm. And, and uh, she said, it's too muddy, dad. I said, but I want to show you something about this little two-wheel drive pickup. Watch how daddy can drive in the mud. So it was quite a challenge. We fishtailed, and I, she said, you're going a little fast. I said, you got to go fast, stay on top. That's what my dad always taught me, and I want to honor him. <laughs> and so, and then a huge, long mud hole in front of us, and I said, babe, we really got to pick our speed up and hit that hard so we don't get stuck, because I know what I'm doing. And we made it to the end, and I got sideways, and we got stuck. But... <laughs> Right? Those, those, are, those are things that we learn, and we learn things from people we trust, and we learn how to honor. Because I'm going to tell you something about church. Church should be the place where we honor the brethren. First Peter, you can read about it all you want, but Peter made it a point. Look, we are to honor everyone. We, the other day in our Bible study, we're in Galatians chapter 2 with the kids, and, and the girls had a great question. So you mean to tell me that Peter and Paul got in an argument? They're apostles. They're doing the same thing. They got the same call. Yeah, but they did not dishonor one another. They disagreed with one another. If you'd please stand for the reading of the scripture, we'll get started this morning. Going to be a long one. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 18 through 21. This is what I want us to see in this. That God is a God of honor and God calls us to honor him and honor one another. This is why we are called connection. Connecting upward, inward, and outward to make disciples of Jesus Christ. And we connect through our value of honor. Isaiah 43, 18 through 21. Remember not the former things nor consider the things of old. Behold, I'm doing a new thing now. It springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The wild beast will honor me, the jackals and the ostriches. For I give water in the wilderness, rivers in the desert. I give drink to my chosen people, the people whom I formed for myself, that they might declare my praise. You may be seated. One of my favorite passages, what we see here is it's God and he's reminding the Jews who they are. And most importantly, he's reminding them who he is. It's also a foreshadowing of Jesus here. You can see this, that, that, that he's going to provide a way. 
But there's something else going on here. The Lord is saying, I will make a way, and the way to me is through honor. Listen to me, church. The way to God is through honor. You want healthy relationships in your life? Learn to honor one another. You want a healthy marriage in your life? Learn to honor your spouse. You want a healthy family in your life? Demand honor from your children. You can show them honor as well. But there is a rank and file in this life. You see, everything is created. The jackals, the ostriches, all of creation was created for honor. It's the culture that God creates, and it's the expectation, church, that he has for each of us. For I give waters in the wilderness, rivers in the desert, to give drink to my chosen people, the people whom I formed for myself, that they might declare praise. See, when we praise something, what are we doing? We're expressing honor to it. It's the reason why here in the church, I just truly believe this is holy ground. There used to be a day and time when, when churches were seen as really set apart, as holy for the Lord. Well, I've sat in many churches' parking lots and prayed over the church and just been in the parking lot believing that where I currently sit, there, has been, there have been generations upon generations that have prayed here. The house of bread, a house of prayer. And here's the neat thing about church is that we have opportunities to express our honor to Jesus and honor for one another. See, God has a culture and his culture is honor. Do we honor one another? Do we honor the elderly? When, when we look and we see that our culture currently is pushing elderly out, we don't have time. We would rather have the expert than the sage. Then we're not creating a place where really God can move. Every person with gray hair, which should be honored. <laughs> there ought to be some wisdom in there. So the church at large has this culture. It's guided by a set. A set. The culture is guided by a set of behaviors and beliefs. And that's us. And one of those for us, a mandate to us from God himself, from King Jesus, is this culture, this virtue of honor. It's at the top of his list. Heaven overflows and is filled with perfect honor for perfect authority. Now, what if a group of people, a church, had their behaviors and their beliefs influenced by godly honor? If my beliefs start to be strongly influenced by honor, that would strongly impact my behavior. How would I see myself and others? I would act. I would act out of a spirit of honor. Jesus gave us a mandate on earth as it is in heaven. And when we choose honor, this is what happens. Revelation chapter 4, verse 11. It's interesting. I was talking to another pastor last night, an old pastor. This guy's old, old. In his 70s. Now, come on, man. Don't get it. I'm not. That's dishonoring, isn't it? Yeah, now let, but let me tell you something. This man is wise, wise, and I call him to get some wisdom. We're talking about this scripture last night. You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things. Look, all things are going to express honor to God, whether in this life or the next one. All things are created to express honor to our King. And this man last night, he said, Curtis, you know, 
we can get in this and it, be, it can become too familiar where we no longer express the honor to our king that we should out of familiarity. I said, it's interesting you mentioned that. We preached on that a couple of weeks ago. We become too familiar with one another, but most importantly, we become too familiar with God and how we think he operates. Much of society doesn't understand honor. We know this. Actually, dishonor seems to be the practice of the day. Romans 1.21, it was the practice of their day. For even though they knew God, they did not, watch this, honor him as God or give thanks. I'm not going to honor them, nor am I going to give thanks for what God, I'm not going to honor him, nor am I going to give thanks for what he's done. And notice what happens. They became futile in their speculations, and their foolish heart was dark, and professing to be wise, they became fools. Dishonor will take you to a place of being a fool before our God. Dishonor draws people in. It's political gossip. It's man bashing. It's dishonoring marriages. It's dishonoring our bodies, dishonoring our parents. Dishonor is not like disrespect. Look, disrespect and dishonor are two different things. You can be disrespectful in an argument. Well, you know what? I didn't like what you said. And because of that, I'm not going to talk to you anymore. That's a little bit disrespectful. But it's not dishonoring. You're not taking them down. Dishonor is scary because it looks to remove or degrade the value or esteem that's been placed on it. Get that definition. Dishonor looks to replace something, the esteem and value that something else has already put on it. So when we dishonor one another, God has already put value and esteem on each one of us. He'd go to Genesis and he breathed the breath of life into man. The breath of life, look, was a piece of God going into man. In other words, he made an investment. And we are told over and over in Scripture that we are his greatest investment. We are. I've got a nice truck. It uh, got held on couple of years ago or so at the men's retreat. Some of y'all's got held on too. Uh, y'all of us remember watching the hell stack up out there and say, thank you, Lord. Uh, we got moisture. But my, the hell damage on my truck devalued my truck, right? It, 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 it's dishonored. It doesn't have the value that I place on it anymore. See, to dishonor someone is to corrupt or change that value, that esteem that God has originally placed on someone. When a kid has a verbally abusive parent, the child grows up with a sense of personal value or low self-esteem. It's a sin to assign a value to someone other than what God says. And I must see people the way he does, which church can be very difficult to do. So let's talk about three truths of honor very quickly. Honor cherishes the holy. I, I think back when I used to walk into a sanctuary, even as a kid, I used to just think, God's here. I can even remember asking my parents, what does the pastor do all week? Hey, that's got to be the best. It work one day a week, and it is. Listen, all you young people, I go be a pastor. Please. As long as you've got the anointing, it's, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. But honest, honor cherishes the holy. Throughout the years, if, if I found myself in a situation or in a bad place and I wasn't attending church, you know what I would do? I would go find a church. I would find a church during the week and ask if I could go in and pray. 
To understand holy, we must understand what God calls holy. If God says it's holy, then he assigned its value, and we must, church, according to last week's sermon, agree with God, which means sometimes we've got to disagree with ourselves. You know, here's a few things. God has assigned as holy, if you will, as value as honorable in his sight. Marriage. Marriage is one. Children, another one. Look, here's something. Your body is the temple of God. I looked up some statistics this week just to look at some things. Did you know that the majority of young men, by the time they reach the age of 18, have looked at, 85% have looked at pornography on their phone or on a computer. Now, what happens there is that causes them to dishonor their bodies. And if they continue to look, 22% of, of full-time users of pornography are 18 age, the, the age of 18 or younger. 22% now make up the viewing that are 18, the age 18 or under. Now, when you think of that, that places you in a, in a position of dishonor. That tells me that there's only 15% of young men that are worthy of taking one of my daughters out. And that's just the ones that admitted it. It's a scary place to be today. I mean, we are called to honor our bodies, to honor one another. Well, I have a pastor friend, Miles Sweeney, whose sons must stand up when his daughters walk to the table to eat out of honor. There was a day and time, church, when young men would open the door for their spouse or for their girlfriend. Let me tell you when that changed for me. I was dating Allison. I, man, I, I had it all figured out. And, and, and there was one time I was taking her out. I pulled up to pick her up, and she had a rose in her seat in, the, in my pickup truck. Now, the rose was over next. Used to, also, the girl sat by you in the pickup. And so I had a little rose sitting over there, you know, and man, she just, I was winning her heart. And, and it worked. And then we were married like for about two years. And we're working in the church, and I mean, there comes a downpour. Most of, most of the young people don't know what that is, but it used to rain, and it would flood. I mean, even the streets would flood. And we were running. I, I, I took off, and we're standing at the door, and we're saying, one, two, three. And we shoot out, and we're running towards, towards the pickup. And I just run around to my side. I pop open the lock. I shut the door, you know, and I mean, I'm drinking. I'm like, God, I got so wet. And, and I hear somebody banging on their door, and she's still locked out. There's no honor in that church. What happens? Let me tell you what happens. We become familiar. And familiarity, if we're not careful, we will not handle or honor what God calls holy. He tells us to honor the scriptures, to honor our life, to honor relationships, to honor time, to honor our parents, to auto honor our widows, our orphans, the authorities that are assigned above us. There are some things that are sanctified with honor, like baptism, which we'll have this morning, communion, a wedding day, a wedding night. Years ago, I, I did a wedding in Arizona, and uh, or Alice and I were in Arizona for a good friend of mine that was getting married, and uh, it's really neat. He, he and his, 
his fiance had dated for about a year and he had just graduated college and we were, uh, he was about to run and get in the limo. And before he got in the limo, he saw me standing over there and he comes running over there and he says, Hey, hey, um, I don't know what to do tonight. I said, what? He said, that was our first kiss. And I was like, wow. And today they have like three kids. So he figured it out, but I will tell you this too. (laughs) He honored her and they have a wonderful marriage and a wonderful family. And both of them are in ministry today. Guys, there's still hope. There's still hope when we learn how to do our practices according to God's word. And honor sets forth the kingdom of God to be expressed in all of us. Leviticus 11.45 For I am the Lord who brought you up out of the land of Egypt to be your God, and you shall therefore be holy, for I am holy. God is calling us to a place of holiness. Look, most of us hear it this way. Let's be honest. We, we read this scripture and we say, I, I, this is what God's saying. I got you out of your mess, now straighten up. We grew up with that God, a lot of us did. But this is what the Lord is saying. I am the one who rescued you. Set yourself apart for me, for I have, my, have set myself apart for you. It's what Jesus has done for his church. When God calls it holy, he's established its value, church. There are moments and people that he has set aside for himself that he has esteemed as highly valuable. Uh, as we did the elders training some years ago, they met with me on Fridays for uh, 12, 13 months, however long it was. Uh, and, and, and we go through this, this training in the eldership and everything. And I showed them this scripture, this 1 Timothy 5.17. The apostle Paul is writing to young Timothy as a pastor. And he said this, let the elders who rule well. Now he does put a condition on there. As long as they rule well, right? He says, be counted worthy of double honor especially those who labor in the word and doctrine. If you have elders who are laboring in the word and doctrine, here's what that is. That is a pearl out there. And Jesus said, don't cast your pearls before the swine. We ought to look to spend time with them, to learn from them, to grow up in them. I remember Pastor Paul used to say, I believe that being with being with me is good for you. <laughs> and I used to go, wow, man, that's what? But I realized we would talk about Scripture. We would talk about the depths of the Word of God. That some things would begin to happen in that pickup. Look, it's that way for your parents. I told Emma this yesterday. Hey, being with me is good for you. <laughs> I mean, we might get stuck. But let's be honest, if we have to walk five miles, your daddy needs it, and you probably do. I mean, do too. It's going to be good for us. But hopefully we're going to learn from one another. We ought to see one another. We ought to look to get in the truck in a good way and learn from one another. If you know somebody who knows Jesus in a strong walk, get with them. Because not only are you honoring yourself, you're learning how to honor God with them. Treat them with double honor. For me to treat a person or something in a way that degrades the honor that God assigns to them is a sin. It is sinful. Honor is of God and dishonor is of Satan. I'll just show it to you in Scripture. 
But I will tell you that honor attracts the favor of God. In Genesis 9.23, let's look at the sons of Noah. And Ham, so he had three sons. You guys know this, Ham, Shem, and Japheth. Japheth, that's a hard one for me to say. But this is what verse 22 in Genesis chapter 9 says, And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brothers outside. And Shem and Japheth took a garment and laid it upon uh, their or about their shoulders and went backwards and covered the nakedness of their father. Now, what is so bad here? Well, let me tell you how it starts. It, it starts with Ham, and here's what Ham does. He goes outside and says, hey, did you know dad was drinking last night? Uh-oh. What? He tied one on. I just went in there. Dude's naked. Now, the closer your walk is, even with godly anointed people, the more you're going to see some flesh. It happens. How Ham dealt with this was simply to step out and start telling. Oh, I got something on daddy. He's not as godly as what you think. He doesn't walk without. He doesn't really hear from God because look at him in there. Oh my, Look. And you know, people, that's the first thing many want to do is run and expose. And so he exposes his father who is anointed of God, built a ship in the middle of a desert. And it's known as the curse of Ham because he dishonored his father. When we walk close with someone, we eventually will see their flesh no matter how good they are. However, it doesn't dismiss the honor that God has placed on them. And listen, if you are a member of the body of Christ, God has placed the same value on you as he has me. We don't have the same calling in life, but we should value and honor one another. So Shem and Japheth, they honored their dad, and he would honor them in return. Now, an example of dishonor is simply this. Uh, Job reminds us that um, um, Satan, of course, is in the council of heaven, and he's, he's saying, hey, have you considered your servant Job? I mean, I, yeah, he's godly because everything goes his way and all this. But what we learn about Lucifer at that time is that Lucifer is this angel in heaven that leads worship. And he is, Ezekiel tells us that he's adorned with beautiful, beautiful things, and it draws other angels into worship. And he, everything he does, he's just got this, he's a powerful worship leader. He's also a cherubim. So that means that he's, he can be a, a mighty warrior as well. He's a protector. He's a guardian. He's all these things. This, this angel has it all. But what the difference was is he wanted it all. Uh, he's known as the morning glory, the morning sun. And things come up, he's fresh, he's new, he's what every church wants in a worship leader. Oh, but then he wanted to be God. He wanted so much more. Isaiah 14, 12 says, How you have fallen from heaven, morning, morning star, son of the dawn. Oh, how have you been cast down to the earth, you who once laid low the nations. You said in your heart, I will ascend to the heavens, I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will make myself like the most high. Pride comes before the fall, and he dishonored his God. Look, dishonor won't just put down, but it will seek to raise itself up. It will demand honor when it doesn't receive it. It will want position. It will not just want a voice. It wants to be the voice. It doesn't look to do away with the anointed one. It will seek to convince you that he or she is the anointed one. 
when I can embrace a godly culture of honor in my beliefs and in my behavior, it will attract God's favor. Do you ever talk about a teacher? Now, some of you started it up already. You ever talk about a boss? You ever talk about a coworker? You got somebody that's kind of in your craw right now that you're like, man, I need to do a little exposing here. It can be dangerous, especially if it's done prior to prayer, because you probably won't say it in the way that it should have been said. Honor begins with humility. Proverbs 15.33 says, The fear of the Lord is the instruction for wisdom, and before honor comes humility. Do you know why humility comes before honor? Because in order to honor someone else, you have to do what? You have to consider them as valuable, and that means that you'll be humble. You ever stop on the side of the road and help someone? I used to be bad about picking up hitchhikers. Allison will tell you. Man, I just drive. And one time I, I had two or three horses on the back of my uh, pickup and I was going to work to Tulia Livestock Auction and it's snowing and it's cold. I'm talking, it's like 20 degrees. I'm going down I-27 and, and I see this guy. I mean, he's all bundled up and he's walking down the side of the highway. And I'm like, it's too cold out there. So I pull over and said, hey, get, get in my pickup, you know, warm up. Oh, thank you, thank you. Do you have some money too? Because I need to go down to the bus station. Anyway, it didn't turn out real well, but I will say I shared the gospel with him. And one time I had the kids in the pickup. They're in the back seat. Allison's up there in the front wearing Colorado, and I see somebody walking down the side, and I pull over. And she's like, what are you doing? I'm going to pick them up. I don't think it's a good that we don't have room in here. I said, they can get in the back. They, they'll ride better than they walk. I can see how they're walking. But here's the truth. We have to be humble in order to serve or want to help someone. I've had a lot of great conversations. Doing, I'm not encouraging to go do it. If it's, listen to the Lord. Humble people will always put value on others. Oftentimes they value others more than themselves. Church, that's so important. John 13, 3, Jesus knew the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. Watch this. So he got up from the mill, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began washing the disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him, anointing them for the ministry at hand, anointing their feet because they were going to shod the shoes of the gospel or be shod with the shoes of the gospel. And Jesus washed. He humbled himself. You know, God is looking for us to be a church, a place, a people of honor. Honor is a value here at Harvest Connection. Dishonor has no place here because dishonor is not of God. It is of Lucifer. Revelation 5.13, And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne, And the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. You see, heaven is filled with honor. Honor flows from the very character and identity of God. Jesus honored every one of us. The Scripture says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We didn't deserve it. We didn't deserve to be honored. We didn't be, deserve to be lifted up. But we were expressed as honorable through the one who created us. And he said, they are worthy, and I will make them worthy because I will honor them 
in the most humble of ways. Church, would you please stand this morning? When we embrace honor, we embrace the culture of heaven. When you honor someone even when they don't deserve it, you embrace the culture of heaven. When I learn to speak in honor to one another, guess what happens? I have the opportunity, and it's an awesome opportunity. I have the opportunity then to witness to them. But if I just get on them and say, you knucklehead, which I can do, the older I get, the more extreme I get. Allison reminded me of that of yesterday. It's true. I mean, I'm black and white. I've done this a long time. And, 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 and my mercy is short. But I do know this, that I know that when I show honor, usually I receive honor. And if I don't receive it that day, I'll receive it someday. And truly believe that. I'll ask if the altar team will come forward. And this is one way we can express our honor to you. If you'd like to receive prayer for anything this morning, it honors God when you come forward. Jesus said, if you take me before man, then I'll take you before my Father. I'll honor you in that way. So as we come forward, it's a way of honoring God and asking God to be the one who speaks to us this morning, who honors us this morning so we can go out and be a people of honor. Father God, thank you for this, your church. Continue to grow us up and grow us out. And may we be citizens of heaven, expressing honor to you and honor to one another in your name. Amen.